on today's Compassion Radio. Uh, we are looking, we are interviewing people, we are trying to make a team of people who would lead this ministry. Obviously, we need somebody from Ukraine because it's their language, it's very culture, but we will be supporting them, we'll provide for everything needed. Pray for wisdom as we choose the best people to, to run the school. Hi, I'm Bram Floria, and this is Compassion Radio, where faith is an action and the rubber meets the road. We're glad you joined us today. When you look at the world today, what kind of heroes do you find that are fighting, that are contending for the faith in ways that really make a difference in the lives of people every day? Well, our friends at Emmanuel Church in Galatz, Romania, are probably the best example I can think of today. We're going to hear more today from our guest, Doreen Dumitrasiu, a pastor and adventurer in faith who's making a difference in the lives of all kinds of different refugees coming out of the country of Ukraine. So let's get to it right now with a brief recap of yesterday's program. Now you have these new neighbors. They're Ukrainians. They're doing their work. They're doing the hard work of learning your language. They want to be involved with your economy. They want to be close to home because I, th- I think they probably still have deep heart sets on going back someday. But they don't want to be so far away that it would be across the world journey just to get back to their home country. So Romania is, for them, a sweet spot. You have peace right now. You've got a growing economy. It's not completely vibrant yet, but it's come a long way in the past 10 years. And so they would see this as being opportunity. And you want them to have opportunity, too, and learn skills and use them. So let's talk through this school, then. You have working parents, most of which have taken up some kind of labor jobs, probably. Not a lot of high-skilled jobs available yet, but they're probably learning the language better so they can get better jobs. Mm -hmm. As they do this, that means that they're away from their kids a good part of the day. So you mentioned not just education for school. You mentioned after-school clubs and other kinds of things that give the kids a safe environment and a community. So... You have thousands of kids around the community now that are in different refugee centers. You've got yours. You've got pass-throughs. You've got long-term residents. It's going to be a mishmash of people, and yet you have to have some kind of consistency. You will be an anchor for that community as you build out the school. I'm certain of that. How would you design it then? How many kids would you want to be educating this first year? And what do you imagine it would be like for them to be able to be taught by remote instructors in Ukraine who are Zooming in to teach them? and the volunteers that are there with them in your refugee center, helping them to learn. Right now, I can give you the information that I have, and that might change as I grow in understanding how to serve Ukrainians. So yesterday I had a discussion with a teacher from Ukraine, and she said, we are here in a center, and we have 50 kids with moms. And if I tell them your intention to start a school tomorrow, you'll have 50 kids in your building. So we are ready to move because they are looking for a place like this. Even today, we had our board meeting in the morning, praying and making plans how to create this space. So first of all, we need to fundraise for starting this program. And probably we will start with a group of 30 children having three teachers employed. And we'll see how things will grow. But for sure, there's a huge potential to grow in in this ministry. You would probably treat it then kind of like a one-room schoolhouse. You have multiple ages in the room, and you've got three different teachers covering different subjects or different age ranges, I suppose. Right. And you mentioned that there's a difference in the educational systems. What's the biggest uh, modification or difficulty for Ukrainian and or Romanian volunteers Mm -hmm. to adjust to an educational system that is not familiar to you? 
I would say, um, first of all, the language, because they officially speak Ukrainian, but uh, they don't speak Ukrainian, they speak Russian. So right now, uh, they want to make a shift and to do everything in Ukrainian. And it's difficult, even for their teachers, to, to teach in Ukrainian. Now, it's easy to explain why they hate Russian. Yeah. And this is a, a difficulty for their teachers. Also, it's hard for us to understand their system as they developed during the war. It seems that it's something unique to report online homework and to be assisted by, by parents or by tutors. So this is another difficulty. But at the end of the day, each child has to report a video recording of him doing his tasks for the day. These are the kind of issues that we are dealing with and try to figure out how to better serve them. And then, this is the biggest difficulty is to be a school accredited by Ukrainian government, which means these kids will return home, hopefully in a couple of months, and their school will be recognized there. And if it's years, they have to, their education would not have them behind the curve so much that they have to go back and repeat years of education if they ever do make it back to Ukraine. But also that they have enough life skills, communication and understanding and curiosity that wherever they go next, whether it's a refugee community within Europe or even in America, because they're beginning to arrive all around us here in the northwest of America, that they would have the skill set to say the world is not necessarily always a scary place. And that as I go, there will be people that are kind and that I will find friends and that I am seen, I am valued, I am worth spending time with and investing in. And when the kids know that and believe that, because they've seen it in people like you, they have much higher expectations for life in the world. And I think it's one of the biggest spiritual gifts you give is not just the gift of time, but the kind of intentional time that you give them. Now, the after-school programs you would do, you get through the basic subjects, you've gotten them taught in their language, they're learning Ukrainian, which is a much more advanced syntax than Russian is, with many more tenses and articles and genders of verbs and nouns, kind of like the difference between Americans trying to learn English and learning French or other Romance languages. There's a lot of tenses going on there and a lot of different genders that you got to learn. That's what the shift from Russian to Ukrainian would be even though the language and the sounds of the words are very similar. So their concept, their worldview, modifies as the language grows. Then they got to figure out how to socialize and be kids. So what would you do with this after-school program? You've got a number of hours before the parents get off work. All right. What would you do there? So we already started parts of this program we already do, because we have a history, we have like four months. We developed a program when uh, we intentionally involve uh, men, boys and men from our church, to interact Good. with kids since they are only with uh, their moms. I cannot tell you how important is that. And every boy and every man from our church who pay attention to their kids is followed everywhere by them. <laughs> we want to put together our community with these kids and to play, just play and spend time and be outside with a ball or doing something, go to the park. Would it include things, not just sports? Would you do things like arts or other tutoring or other yeah. activities? Also, we want to teach them English because uh, they want to improve their speaking in English. Sports, as I said, and arts. A club of arts uh, to help them develop because they are normal kids and they need to grow in all the dimensions of life in spite of the world situation. Okay. You've mentioned a pretty all-encompassing boys and girls club idea for after school or a YMCA kind of club. You've sat down with the board of directors for the church and these ministries and 
obviously your church board is a lot more than just a church board that deals with your own budget and your own doctrine and policy and things. You're now dealing with world-level problems as a local congregation, and you're dealing with governments, national and city and county there in Romania. So you had to step up your game quite a bit to become very efficient and fluent in those bigger issues. You obviously thought this thing through and prayed it through. What do you expect it to cost? So the initial cost would be 190,000 euro. So we mm. we invite 190 people to donate 1,000 euro. So but the initial cost would, would be recovered. I'm so happy, but we have one donor. <laughs> so we don't <laughs> need 190 people. We only need 189 people now. There you go. I know we're going to find a way to be involved as one of those virtual people as Compassion Radio, at least. So we will find a way to get involved with this. We believe in those things where there's a long-term relationship and real ministry heart. And not because you're just seeing them as evangelical prospects, like to build your church or to add people to your congregation, but because this is what Jesus does. Right. The gospel goes to them where they are in their need and their distress, and they give them life, and they live the love of Jesus just as much as talking about it. In fact, a lot more. So that's what I've appreciated about you, is that you've taken the Word of God seriously. You put a back seat to your own ambitions and say, God, how can we be available to your purposes now and take care of the business in front of us? That is the gospel to me. And I want to see you succeed in every way so that your church will grow and prosper and continue your testimony and your witness there in that part of the world. So we'll get involved with that. The goal is not outrageous, but I'd have to ask, what does that 190,000 euros actually cover for a year? Are we talking just about the curriculum or the rehab of the space? Are we talking about food and salaries? What all would it include? No, this would be the initial cost for the project. Then we need to figure out the cost for ongoing year or a month. So far, it's hard to calculate. Uh, so we need to include here salaries, food for children, and uh, material for school, like papers, uh, books, and everything needed. So we don't have a budget for ongoing process, but we have a budget for starting the school. Now, you didn't have a budget for the Ukrainian refugees that came through when you started, you, yeah. you jumped in and asked people to step up. And one of the things that I thought was marvelous is that you actually found a way to mobilize the restaurants who wanted to be on the front line to feeding the refugees. And you developed kind of like an airline meal process where you actually could do hot and fresh into containers and with ceilings like the airlines use to prepare meals for flights. And that happened like overnight, practically. And the quality of the food that was coming was, was marvelous. Is that still happening or have you moved to a different system yet to help feed the refugees? Yeah, we are so happy for the restaurant who donated for, uh, I think, two months. But mm -hmm. they changed their policy. So now we have to pay for the food we have to feed the people with. So how much did you have to pay for those? We need to pay, let's say, 10 US dollars a day for food for each Ukrainian we host. But all the costs for uh, keeping a refugee in the center is 25 US dollars, which means transportation, bedding, cleaning, toilets, uh, and all the facilities. And that's a whole separate silo for you for fundraising. So you've been spending time with uh, major congregations throughout Europe and in America raising enterprise-level funds for that operation. Because you know that there'll be a, a sunset to that program when the war is finally over. But the other ongoing maintenance of ministry to refugees who remain in the country is what you're talking about now, how school would fit into that, because we're talking about a multi-year effort. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, 
and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw to the point of indescribable exhaustion. I saw refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. They were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon, even as this rescue operation rapidly sweeps the refugees farther west away from the fighting. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please, give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. Bless you, friends, for your brave and activist faith. And now, back to our discussion. So you've been spending time with major congregations throughout Europe and in America raising enterprise-level funds for that operation. Because you know that there'll be a, a sunset to that program when the war is finally over. But the other ongoing maintenance of ministry to refugees who remain in the country is what you're talking about now, how school would fit into that, because we're talking about a multi-year effort. And we encountered the same thing back in 2015, 2016, when we were invited to help out with the frontline church and schools that were happening at the demarcation line in Luhansk and Donetsk. Early on, the Christian churches there were rushing to the front lines to help take care of the needs that were appearing. And they discovered that many of the Christian soldiers there were giving away their food to feed the orphans of their enemies. As people were dying on the Russian side, no one was taking care of them at all. And these children were literally wandering in the gutters. They took them in. They started orphanages. They started a house of peace and worship in the no man's land. So we got behind that effort because we believe that that's the only place that God can go that no one else could was in a place that is impossible. So we backed that effort and had to relocate and evacuate during this surge of the war. But doing the impossible is something that God always has specialized in, and people that love Jesus thrive on. And so, during in your own fashion, where you are behind that next line of, of defense, spiritually and physically, you're doing the impossible. How a church that has a few hundred members transforms into an international refugee operation overnight is stunning. And yet, God enabled you to see how to do it. So we do want to help you with that. Let our listeners know now what you think is going to happen with your ministry over the next few months and what you are specifically praying for. Not just the dollar amount of 190 but what else are you asking God to provide for you? Yes, please pray for our volunteers. As you, you can anticipate, very exhausted and very tired and they have families. And please pray for uh, spiritual protection, emotional protection. Uh, hearing all these stories is... Um, emotionally burdening for, for some. Mm. And um, pray for a good teacher who would lead this Ukrainian school. Uh, we are looking, we are interviewing people, we are trying to make a team of people who would lead this ministry. Obviously, we need somebody from Ukraine because it's their language, it's their culture, but 
we will be supporting them, we'll provide for everything needed. Pray for wisdom as we choose the best people to, to run the school. All right. Doreen Dumitrascu, our friend, our liaison, our, our general, you tell us what to do when we go there. We, we follow your lead. And we are proud to be part of your army of relief. And you, you bring real comfort to people. And you're a comforting guy. And because you started in education and you were a teacher, uh, you have a real passion for teaching kids. I know that. So for you, this shift is something that is a heartbeat passion for you. It's not just another job. So I'm, I'm glad that you have the opportunity to revisit those things you love so much. And I hope that you will find great success in this and that these kids will have a real home of heart in your congregation and that uh, the church there in Galatz will be a lighthouse. I mean, really, that the rest of the country will see what can be done, what is possible when a congregation says, absolutely, yes, God, use us however you want. We'll get in touch with you soon about how Compassion Radio will commit to the project. I know we'll be involved somehow. Oh, I'm praying for your cool weather for you, too. If it's going to stay above 100 degrees Fahrenheit this summer, it's going to be a little rough on you. Yeah, praise God, I'm leaving tomorrow and going to into a cooler part of Romania. For a couple <laughs> there you go. Away. What part of the country will you go visit? I'll, I'll go in the Brasov region in Sinaya. We are having a JV meeting with all our staff for a couple of days. We are discussing about the future of making plans about the coming year. Yes, and we didn't talk about the other big job you have besides being a pastor and administrating all of this refugee work. You're also a national coordinator for Josiah Venture there in Romania and have been re-engineering and reforming all of their ministries to address the new challenges that suddenly erupted because of these massive shifts mm -hmm. in policy, economics, and everything else that's happening so quickly in, in Europe. So yes, I pray for good success and wisdom for you all as you plan for all the other countrywide ministries that you're doing. So yeah. I'm thrilled to be able to be with you even for half an hour amidst of all this craziness. It's always good to talk to you, my friend. Yeah. Anything else is happening with Ruxi and the other team members I should know about? Um, Ruxi had a couple of days, as you know, off. She's been on vacation, and now she's back. We have a lady missionary from the United States moving to Galatz for Josiah Venture, and we are celebrating that she got her visa because Amen. more than 90 days. So yesterday we received the news, but we got the visa for her. That's great. Yeah. Um, how easy is it for you to uh, employ other volunteers through the church? Is it a visa process for stays any longer than, like, say, 30 days or so? What, what kind of limits do you have on bringing volunteers over? So it's very hard to employ people from Ukraine or from the United States. So this lady comes from the Josiah Adventure, and she's employed for Josiah Adventure. And for the volunteers we, uh, who are from Ukraine, we need to pay them but we cannot mm -hmm. employ them. It's very complicated to get all of them. Well, if we ended up sending anybody else over that wanted to volunteer there through Conscious International or through Compassion oh, Radio, yeah. and, and we deployed somebody to you, how difficult is it for them to be able to stay a length of time? Are there any limits on the, of the visits? If they are paid by an um, American organization, it, it's very simple. But we are to hire them. That would be a little bit complicated, but not impossible. I don't think we'd be sending you anybody got to spend money on other than figure out how to house them. And how would that work these days? Do you have enough capacity to actually host some volunteers to come help you? Yes. Right now we have a, a team of four young adults, 25 and 26. So we have room for them at the church. They, they prefer to stay with us. They are the church and they are serving, interacting with Ukrainians and helping with everything needed at the center. Are there any other particular skill sets that you need that you haven't been able to find yet? I'd say more uh, Russian speakers, translators. Mm. This would be a huge need. 
and um, Christian psychologists uh, dealing with trauma that would be needed for some of the women, especially ladies, because you know most of them are women, and it's easier for a woman to interact and to counsel some other women. Some women, yeah. And they would need to be Ukrainian or Russian speakers as well. Yes, yes. Wow, that's that's a tall order, isn't it? Mm. It's very difficult to consider a situation where you have a translator in the middle of a confidential session as well. Right. Wow. What we no- I just put some thought into that one. What we noticed is that the translator became the counselor and not the counselor. Exactly. So I'm wondering about that, if there's any talent we have up here in the Northwest, even if it was like remote Zoom sessions, if they yep. were fluent enough in Russian to be helpful that way. Mm-hmm. We have a, a fairly large Ukrainian and Russian community in this part of the country and across the border into Canada. Mm-hmm. I'll ask around about that, see if anybody knows about any ministries that would have the capacity to, to volunteer that way with some time. Thank you for what you did, uh, sending uh, people from Conscious International. We had volunteers. We had Will, Luke, and they even been in Ukraine, in Odessa, risking their lives, working very hard. And, yeah, we've been blessed by another church. They sent money to buy uh, a minivan for transporting, which is awesome. And that's because of your networking. Thank you so much. Fair enough. And by the way, how are fuel prices there? Americans are, are pretty whiny. <laughs> they they complain about every little price increase. But I knew that when I was there, the gas was already over like 6 or $7 a gallon or like you know, for four liters. For us, getting to that kind of price is just mind-boggling. <laughs> but what is it like? What's the cost to run a car now? How, how expensive is petrol? Yeah, it's very expensive. It's the same as we've been here. So it stays very high. Maybe because of the war. It's like uh, nine lay a liter of gas. Hmm. And how many lay to a dollar now? It's uh, $2.3 a liter. That's not all that much more than we're paying here, which is kind of surprising, but it's still stupidly expensive. Yeah, it's very expensive. Okay. All right. Anything else I can uh, cheer you up on or any other news you can share with me? I don't know. <laughs> right now, I, I spoke a lot. <laughs> I'd love to have some coffee with you soon. So maybe you and yeah. I can just sit down and pull out a fresh pot and we'll, we'll chat it up. But thank you again for making time and pursuing us on this one. Yeah, I can send you a video. We created a video with this need of education and also a document with all the links. People want to be part of this. It's easy for them. That'd be perfect. Yes, I would love to provide a link there in the program description as well so people can watch it themselves. Mm-hmm. All right. I would encourage our listeners again to be praying for Doreen and his wife, Nicoletta, as they recover from their, their accident just three or four months ago and as they focus on all the ways God's going to continue using them, that he would sustain them, give them the energy and strength they need, but also that he would give them the, the friends they need to be effective and know that they have community of their own to restore them. So be praying for how God will cover the Dumitrashkus and the Church Emmanuel there in Galatz. Thank you again, my friends, for joining us on Compassion Radio. Thank you very much, Bram, and thank you to all listeners of Compassion Radio. May God bless you, and thank you so much for being with us, partners in this huge ministry. Fair enough. It's an honor, my friend. What do you see that's worth looking away? We are free in ways that we never should be. Sweet relief from the grip of these chains. Street.
My thanks to Doreen Dimitrescu, pastor and gospel adventure extraordinaire there in Romania. The city of Galas is right on the front lines of faith, and we're so glad to be supporting their projects. So I hope you'll join us in that very thing. Please drop us a line through our website. Let us know you heard us and are standing with us as we support the church on the front lines of faith and compassion. Pastor Doreen and the family at Emmanuel Church in Galatz, Romania, need us to stand with them as they do the heavy lifting in this project. Call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445. Or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.